Thank you for giving me, Tim, such an outrageous task as trying to unpack this passage tonight in 29 minutes. But um, thanks for the prayer that might make it better. It's lovely being with you. We love this family. And um, cool, you all look about under 43 here. Is anybody older than 43 here? Just <laughs> I'm sorry, Sue. I didn't do that deliberately. I just... I say whatever comes in my mind. That's the real problem with most of my life. So, um, this is Ephesians. Ephesians. What a passage. Um, Just an introduction to it. Um, We've been in Bath about 40 years plus, which definitely is longer than any of you here. And uh, my observation in the last five, ten years is there's a massive Holy Spirit revolution going on in the church and it's not going to stop. Yippee. You didn't look very pleased about that news. I, I just, I can't, yeah, really? It's like, you have to be kind, okay? I really believe the Holy Spirit is digging deep in God's church to transition his church from one era which has been very much about coming together into another era which is very much about loosing his people everywhere in a powerful way to bring heaven on earth. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? It's a whole transition going on and it's uncomfortable, I find, but I don't think it's going to stop because he actually wants a powerful time for his church. What some people have called, maybe we're being ushered into an apostolic era. Like a phrase, apostolic era. And I love it all because I hate business as usual. How many of you don't like business as usual? Because you think, man, if this is the adventure of adventures where Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you, business as usual cannot be the deal, could it? I'm doing my best, guys. I really, really am. It cannot be business as usual. It cannot, can it? How many of you are a bit hungry for more? She's like, to put a half hand up, you know, in case he gives you more. But, but do you know what I mean? It's like, there has to be a whole bunch more, and I'm older than all of you, and I'm desperately hungry, saying, God, there has to be a lot more than I've seen in my life, because there's so much promised in your word, so would you disturb and usher in whatever era you want to, but I tell you what, it's to mobilize a people movement who cannot be stopped, and who will invade every area of society. Yes, that was all right. Thank you, Julie. I'll pay you later. Okay, it's just. But do you understand? There's something about business as usual that cannot be lining up with what heaven is, because heaven says of the increase of His government peace, there's no end. So we're caught up, I believe, with a massive transition, and I don't even understand a fraction of what's going on. But I believe we can find some pointers to help us on the journey. But I promise you, it's about mobilizing men and women who long to influence this earth with more of what heaven's got. It's a mobilizing time. It's a kind of releasing time. It's a, I don't want to just do the same thing over and over time, isn't it? So the Ephesians 4 gives us a little bit of a clue about that. I forgot to look at the clock. Was it 6? We started at 10 past 6, didn't we? Okay, cool. So, so, so Ephesians 4 gives us a little bit of a picture about that that we're just going to dive into. And, and um, it's a kind of scary passage. I, I, I've rarely talked about it because I've tried to avoid talking about it until Tim asked me to talk about it. So that we're, we're caught in a bit of an awkward squeeze. But 
Ephesians 4 is stunning because the whole book of Ephesians 4 is one of the climaxes of the New Testament. And if you don't get excited in Ephesians 4, you may need an injection of some kind. Because it's just, it just goes from one major kind of, you know, level of heaven to another. And if you don't get cooked by Ephesians 3, when he prays that you'll be rooted and established in love and da 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 da, that you'll know the heights and the depths, it cannot be business as usual, can it? But that is all then to usher in Ephesians 4, which is the next bit, having been rooted and being grounded in love. How many of you figured by now it's a kingdom of love? Isn't it? It's not a kingdom of service, it's a kingdom of love for goodness sake. If love doesn't move my heart, you know, I, I need something from heaven. So Ephesians 3 is taking us there, then Ephesians 4 comes. So I'm just going to put up, or very kindly Bill is because he's an expert, put up three titles. I want to get all three, there you go. I'm just going to hang a little bit of what I say on these three titles from Ephesians 4. Grow the culture. Receive the gifts. Remember the goal. That's what I want to talk about from Ephesians 4. Grow the culture. Receive the gifts. Remember the goal. Have any of you here ever fallen out with anybody badly? (laughs) Have any of you not? So grow the culture is absolutely stunning. It's the first bit. I can't remember the verses. It's verse 1 onwards. But... But what Paul is saying in this first little bit, what are the verses, it doesn't matter, but he's saying this, he's saying, guys, listen, you need to live in a manner worthy of the calling that Jesus has put upon you. And then he goes into this extraordinary description of what this culture looks like that comes out of the love of Ephesians 3. And he says things like this, be completely humble. Well, what does that look like? And then he says, he says, be tender or gentle. And then he goes on and says, be patient with one another, bearing with one another. And you're into this incredible culture that has to be in place if we're going to look at gifts. Have you ever figured how much God hates pecking order in the church? Has anybody ever realized how much he hates it? Do you think God hates some things? He hates pecking order. He hates it when there's a church where there's a sort of subtle, what's the ladder around here? Do you know that kind of feeling? Wait, wait, how, do you, how do you get up a bit here? Is there, is there a kind of a way I can exert a bit more influence in this church? And how does it work? God hates that because he's not after a school. He's not after an organization. He's not after a business. He's actually not after a restaurant. He really isn't. He's passionately, as a father, after a family who are so beautifully touched by this love that they're completely humble, completely wrecked, and completely gentle with one another. How many of you figured a father absolutely is passionate for a family? He hates a restaurant. I don't mean he hates a restaurant, but he hates a restaurant culture, isn't he? Why? Because, well, I want my menu. You know, I want this. I want this. He hates that. He just wants a family. And so those words like, which are just of you, completely humble, completely gentle. Then he says this. He says, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit. Now we could spend all evening on this. I'm just going to quickly cover this culture thing because it's so profound, the kind of family he's after. I want to suggest to you the gifts of Ephesians 4 should never land in the wrong culture. That's why completely humble is completely humble. 
completely humble. Isn't it? This is deep, isn't it? Completely humble. Completely humble. Why? Because he knows if he can create, he can create a heavenly culture, he can release his gifts into that culture and they'll never go wrong. And then we get this thing of oneness. You know, he says, make every effort. And there are, there are seven facets of oneness. I'm going to say them to you. This is what he's after in his family. One body. One Holy Spirit. One hope. We've got the same hope, haven't we? He's coming back, isn't he, Ellie? He is coming back, isn't he? Good. Oh, good. It's important, isn't it, guys? We've got one hope. And then he says, one Lord Jesus. Then he says, one faith. There's no point in having faith in anybody else on the whole of the earth than Jesus Christ. One Jesus. One baptism. The doorway in. And then he finishes up with this. I want to just say it. He says, one God and Father of all. Through all, in all, all that. Why am I saying all that is I believe passionately, having been around a bit, that God is wanting to establish the right culture in his family so that when he releases the gifts, they don't go wrong because we figured his heartbeat as a family. Now, are you probably, because you're so much so young in here, you probably don't realize, but some of these gifts have gone horribly wrong in the past and it's made people shut them down and say, I want nothing to do with those things. That's just no thank you. I believe the Holy Spirit is working for a culture in God's family where when he releases those gifts, we don't mess up because we realize it's about being completely humble, loving one another, and finding an incredible oneness. Do you ever get surprised when God says, I'd like a oneness like the Trinity's got oneness? Do you ever think it's a bit of a deal? Look at each other. I mean, no, don't. But, you know, kind of... Don't you think it's incredible that several times in Scripture God makes it clear that the beautiful society between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and the way they joyfully kind of honour one another and yield to one another and enjoy one another, have you figured that's exactly how he'd like the culture of his family to be? Do you, do you find that a bit challenging? Do you like everybody in God's people? <laughs> You all look so holy, I feel like I'm wrecking myself. I mean, come on guys, it's a bit challenging, isn't it? What, love one another like they love one another? What do you mean? Jesus, I, I mean, you know, I quite like some of them. Not too much. But I, I, I'm trying to, I honestly believe the Father in these days is revealing his fatherhood in the most astonishing way so that his sons and daughters find such a love for one another that he is so pleased as a little bit of heaven on earth. And how many of you have figured that is in direct opposition to the spirit of this world which is going for division on every quarter? Actually, I enjoy coming here because that kind of culture is already in the room here in this church family. It's already in Tim and Sarah. I know them well. That culture that doesn't want a ladder, doesn't want pecking order. I hate pecking order now, don't you? In his church. It's horrible. Well, how am I doing? Where am I in the ladder? You know, where am I in the ladder? Oh, oh, you're talking about apostles. Hmm. Well, I, no. God help us if we're still entertaining that because it's not the culture in which he can release those gifts. Does that make sense? So I think it's already in the room here. I think you as a family already enjoy 
a beautiful, tender love for one another. And all I'm saying is keep growing it. Keep growing it. It's precious. There's family here. You don't behave oddly. That's such a relief, isn't it? Oddness in the church is even more weird than oddness in the world. Why? Because the Father wants some mirror of this beautiful family of heaven to so engulf his people that the world says, what is it that's going on with you guys? I've already done ten minutes, let's move on. Could you get that? So the culture is absolutely crucial, which is why Paul starts there before he talks about the fivefold gifts. Because he knows how wrong they'll go if it's in the wrong culture. Good to pray for family to increase here, wouldn't it? Would you, would, would you like it to be even more this year than last year that this family gets so beautifully glued together by the love of God that, boy, God says, I love this place. So then we get the Ephesians 4 gifts. The fivefold gifts. And it says there, receive the gifts. <laughs> How many think you've figured out what an apostle is here? Not a single hand went up when I said that. You're a very wise bunch. <laughs> because there's so many books written, I don't even know what to say about it now. But nobody seems that clear in the end what it actually is. But now, can I just say this? Those fivefold gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are not superheroes out there somewhere. But they are very powerful gifts that I figure if we could get our heads around what Father wanted when he offered them to his family, the whole church will be transformed if we dare go the route of receiving those gifts. You can, I'm sorry to go on, but you cannot, you cannot go to the end of Ephesians 4, that bit we read, without the gifts. Can you? It says, for this, this is the reason for the gifts. Okay, should we have a go at finding out what they are? You can kind of murder me afterwards because I'm just going to have a go, right? So, Apostle, what do you reckon? Do you think they're still around? Or they were dead and gone ages ago because they were too scary? I'm absolutely sure these gifts are for now, aren't you? Why would God write a massive chapter in Ephesians if it was just to end after, you know, AD 80 or something? How ridiculous. An apostle is a foundational gift that somehow in the heart of God, God has chosen to build his church around apostles and prophets. It says so in Ephesians 2. So apostles seem to at least, I'll give you a quick thumbnail sketch, but it, I won't stop on each one. Apostles seem to have a foundational revelation of who Jesus Christ is of what heaven's plans are in such a way that when they're flowing in that gift, they cause communities to be birthed or transformed with a revelation of who Jesus is and what his heart is. It's foundational, isn't it? It's revelation. It's something about them that when they're around, community springs up that's a little bit like heaven on earth. Is that okay about apostles? You've probably got 20 other things you know about them, but let's just say something. Foundational, revelation, that transforms communities. Can you have apostles in an IT business? What do you reckon? You're allowed to talk, by the way, because there may not be no answer that's right or wrong. Can you? What do you reckon? Can you have apostles in hospitals? It's impossible. No? Thank you. Oh, oh I, I've met you. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, I'm just going to provoke a bit. Please don't, you know, write this all down. So, of course, apostles are sent ones. They're sent with a passionate sense of what heaven wants into every corner of society because God wants to transform society, not just build little churches that stay as igloos. Yeah? So, can they be men or women? Both? Sure about that? We're on risky ground. Help me, darling. Okay, we're all right so far, aren't we? Right, prophets. It mustn't take too long. Prophets. Prophets, clearly, you know, they're here from heaven in such a way they help line God's people up with what heaven wants in a major way rather than just a prophecy, I love you. And that prophecy, I love you, is really good. Please do understand. But prophets are carrying some sense of what heaven wants so that God's people, especially, let alone the world, kind of lines up much more, how can I put it, Focusly with what heaven wants through the word of the Lord. Prophets bring the word of the Lord, don't they? So prophets aren't scary bearded people who wear odd clothes. They really aren't. They've just got this grace gift that lands in them and causes them to hear what's vital for God's people. Boy, hasn't that been a gift that's been beaten around? Wouldn't it be great to pray for prophets to arise in the city, wouldn't it? And then we get evangelists. What are evangelists passionate about? Guess. Talk to me. Oh, any you are so. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of like all about the, the isn't it? Like the, the unsaved, the gospel. We've got to get out. We've got to reach people. For goodness sake, start sitting on your bums in church. Let's go. It's kind of like, isn't it? Let's, let's all go. I mean, they're passionate. You know, plunder hell and whatever it is we do with heaven. Fill heaven. It's like they're, they're the heartbeat in the evangelism. We've got to go and rescue and save and, you know, the cross, the blood of Jesus. And I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? When I hear a true evangelist, always I've thought, I've got to get saved tonight. <laughs> just, just, I don't, I know, I know, I know, I know, but I've just got to go. I, who wants to come up here? I think, I'm coming anyway, you got me. It's the passion, isn't it? There's a fire in an evangelist. Mind you, you hear Billy Graham, you think, boy, that has to be the anointing that got so many saved through the man. Okay, I don't get stuck. Anyone heard Reinhard Bonke here? Who's heard Reinhard Bonke speak? Anybody? I mean, okay, he's, what's he, German, isn't he? He's kind of a bit retired now. Well, he's not retired, but he's moved on from where he was. But you hear that man, you think, did I ever hear the cross like that? Or I'm just going to kneel down in case. That's the passion. And then we get pastors who are absolutely crazy about God's sheep. You know, the family, the family of God. We've got to gather. We've got to pull everybody together. It's, oh, we love God's people. We love one another. It's all about each other, isn't it? Because the shepherd heart in a pastor beats for the sheep in a way that doesn't exactly beat in the evangelist. What's the last one? Teacher. What do they do? They're just, what are they passionate about? Teaching. <laughs> okay, we've got to be quick. So, so a teacher, isn't it? I mean, you, please, I'm just trying to flag up something. If we appreciate the beauty of these gifts, the church that God wants will completely be transformed. When you're around a teacher, they just can't stop. I, I know some, some of my friends, I think, man, if you say much more to them, I'm going to be overwhelmed with how much you understand about the scriptures that I don't. 
Like, like they're just kind of like full, aren't they? And it's all the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And you read in Jeremiah, and you know, it's all about, we've got to get the truth inside. We've got to, we've got to understand what God's truth is. And by the way, you've got to learn to obey that truth. And you feel like you're in front of some huge understanding of the Scriptures. Amazing. They're not really fussed about, you know, that much about those two people aren't agreeing. No, let's just preach the word, the truth. I know I'm being a bit polarized, all right? But there's five gifts. And it seems like apostles and prophets, those first two, are really crucial in the order those gifts are unfolded. Not because somebody on earth has said so, but it says so in, in Corinthians, first of all, apostles. And we've already established there's no pecking order. So first of all doesn't mean this way, does it? There is no hierarchy. Be completely humble. Does that apply to apostles, by the way? It's everybody. He just wants his family. Just behave normally, but receive the gifts. And so it seems like apostles and prophets are the kind of opening of that whole display of gifts. First of all, apostles, Jesus says it. Why don't we just accept Jesus says it? Do it his way. And so, uh, um, I'll just kind of hold back. Let Let me make some points from Ephesians. I'm trying to rock it through all sorts of thoughts in my head. So here's what's interesting, isn't it? He absolutely establishes the power of oneness before he speaks about diversity. Doesn't he? Like, you know, make every effort, all that stuff, one Lord, one, all that. He's saying, listen, that's got to be absolutely founded, oneness, Oh, but by the way, there's this astonishing diversity because, of course, in the Trinity, there's oneness and amazing diversity, isn't there? Don't you love exploring the Trinity, by the way? I kind of think the more I explore the Trinity, the less I think I figure it. Don't you? It's stunning, this beautiful... You know, we have to be careful how we describe it, but this familyness, this community, this dazzling way they treat one another is a shining model to help us understand how he wants us to be. And so when you get the unity, then it says, but... Why does it say but? Very deep. But, why? Because we're now going to go to the diversity having established the oneness. But to each one... What does it say? Help me. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. All right, I'm going a bit on just a little bit further here. So, I want to suggest to you every single one of his family carries an aspect of one or more than those gifts. Is that okay? Why is it? Well, to each one. Okay, to each one, grace has been given means surely if he's talking about the gifts, we all carry some aspect of one or more of those gifts. And actually the variety of that, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, you have a church full of teachers and none of the other gifts. What's going to happen? Just eggheads, you know, like... You know, like can you imagine just only teachers? I'll tell you what, the trouble is the church has been built around pastors and teachers, not apostles and prophets. And if God's got an order and we keep circumnavigating... What's the word? That's the one. So can navigating that order, guess what? We keep ending up in the same place and God's saying, I'd like you to move on, please. He's made an order. But pastors and teachers, we, we can't, yeah, we get those. Yeah, it's great, you know. But 
we, we build a church around that because actually we daren't look at the others because they're a little bit scary and we don't know what they mean so just put them back in the box again and you know, let's carry on. But God is unveiling the gifts because he wants to mobilize his people. And so, and so it's very interesting that, and, and we're all been, we talk these things, a, lot, a bunch of us in the city talk these things saying, Father, help us understand how these gifts work. So for instance, it seems clear that although we all have aspects of one or more of those gifts, there are also some men and women who have the fullness of those gifts in a particular way. Does, does that make sense? I'm trying. So for instance, you can talk about people being prophetic. Oh, they're very prophetic. Absolutely. I can look at some in the room here and know you. Very prophetic. Like often sensitive to what the Spirit's saying, or, you know, and often prophesying. But that seems different to someone who is actually called by Jesus to be a prophet. Does that make sense? You know, well, they're apostolic. Yep, yep. Maybe they're kind of sent in. But there are apostles specifically called by Jesus to be an apostle. And we could go on through. So it seems like while there are measures all over the body of Christ, and by the way, tonight is not, nor should any time be, where we're kind of saying, okay, let's figure out who's who around here. <sighs> that would be a terrible, terrible route to go. How do we figure out? You just watch where the grace is, don't you? Don't you watch the grace on somebody? And think, Man, look at them. <gasps> oh my goodness. They seem to be growing and growing in that gift. Maybe, maybe they are a prophet. I don't worry too much. That's why? Because the whole deal about Ephesians 4 is Christ distributes the gifts from heaven. Yeah? You know, he descended, he went down below, it says there, in the, and then he ascended on high. And by the way, he wants to fill the whole universe, which is kind of Paul pops it in there and it's slightly, just in case you're getting small-minded, Jesus Christ wants to fill the whole universe and he's given gifts. <laughs> and you kind of think, Okay, that seems to be really quite explosive. No wonder we don't have business as usual when Jesus wants to fill the whole universe. Do you understand? So, where was I? So, so we cannot, nor should there ever be, but I have seen it, and one or two others have seen it, we cannot have self-appointments or human appointments in God's church, can we? God forbid ever that happens. Well, we're going to lay hands on you tonight and, you know, you're going to be called an apostle from now on. <gasps> really? Well, that's pretty good. Do I get a little badge or a car or something? No, 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 no. That's utter rubbish in God's family because it's Jesus Christ who ascended, who then distributed gifts. And by the way, he did it for all ages until he's back. So we're not in a season where there's no gifts because Jesus distributed the gifts until he returns. Didn't he? So, so what it's simply saying is he is the king distributing the gifts on behalf of the Father. We never go around trying to say, well, uh, oh, actually, you know what? I like prophets. They've kind of got this particular kind of wow factor. I think I'd like to be one. I wouldn't if I were you. I would let the grace distributed by him grow inside you and and let it find its own place where it can be a blessing rather than you're figuring out, am I this or this? Does that make sense? But in all of that, I don't want to downplay the fact it's stunning that Jesus has distributed gifts amongst his people in a powerful way. It's just, he's the distributor, nobody else. He's the apportioner, whatever word you want to use. 
And by the way, I don't care what age anybody is, it doesn't seem to worry him what age somebody is. How many figure the word of the Lord can come through a 13-year-old much more powerfully than a 60-year-old sometimes just because he distributes? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Have you ever heard stories about kids of 10, 11 who've got the word of the Lord in them? I mean, you kind of think, whoa, wait, wait, wait a minute, how, I mean, you haven't had any training. And you think, be completely humble and tender. Don't muck about. I actually think probably, well, what do you think the church is going to be like in five years from now? What do you think? I mean, don't you dream a bit of things exploding all over the place? I've got three minutes and 20 points still to make. Do you think it's going to work? So, so, so what are we saying in that? Honestly, all I'm trying to say is I, I think it would be great to ask Father, who is the Father of all, in all, through all. I don't mean universal Father. I mean amongst his people. I think it would be great to say, Father, we want to learn how to receive these precious gifts We want to be in, not out, looking at it like, well, let's just not talk about such, you know, a bit scary. And who do you think you are? You saying you're an apostle? And then we never, because we didn't get the culture right, are in the place where we can say together, Father, we'd we'd love it if you would distribute the gifts you, you know, not but you'd release them as you have already distributed them. And we'd love to learn how to let those gifts have their full sway amongst your church. Wouldn't that be a prayer? The problem would be he would answer it. Because any dad who's got gifts loves to give gifts to his children. I would have found it very distressing, frankly, at Christmas if, as a dad, with our kids and grandkids, I'd have found it really distressing trying to give them gifts when they were all arguing with each other. I'd have been really upset. I love Christmas. I don't want disunity around the tree, forgive me being so sentimental, when I as a dad am giving my gifts. Did you understand? Like, what does he feel sometimes? Now, here's to finish off. What, what do you think all this is for? It says, remember the goal. Somebody talk to me a bit. I, I feel like I need... What, what's it for? Somebody shout. Increase the kingdom. Good one, Peter. What does the Bible say? This, to equip his people for what? For taking up seats. Getting them to sit down in meetings. No, I'm not, I'm, you know, I believe in meetings. I'm, that wasn't well put. Do you understand? To equip God's people for what? Works of service. That sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? Like, do I go on a rota somewhere? (laughs) I know, he's a pastor. No, no. Can I stir you? Everyone in this room has received a calling from the King of Heaven. He says, live in a manner worthy of what you are called to. The calling on you, the passion in his heart is, I've given gifts so that as those gifts emerge, they will come around Camilla and suddenly everything he's put in Camilla rises to the surface and she becomes the woman who he really made her to be. And then she starts to, works of service could be like, you know, can we say ministry? I don't know, what's a, we, we want something different, don't we? Because like, works of service it does sound like, 
Do I do the hoovering at the end of the evening, doesn't it? Glorious kingdom deeds. Come, let's have some more. What do you say? <laughs> You'd like the hoovering done. All right, I'll do the hoovering, right? Just, do you understand? Because the days, listen, the days we are in demand God's people to be released in a powerful way for works of the kingdom to hit society and give them hope when they're desperate. And so, and so the whole deal, it's not like, that's why we don't elevate the gifts, but we don't knock them out. We just say, yes, Father, thank you for the gifts. Why? Because they're all about bringing God's people to their finest. They're all about kind of calling out, equipping, training, mending nets that got broken, kind of whatever the word means, it's all of those. And it's, it's about the Father saying, I really want my people to stand up in their finest hour. I really want to loose them and send them into all sorts of corners and I'd like them to feel confident and trained in that. So the whole goal, you know, it'd be like, I don't know, uh, we, you know it'd be like cooking a meal... <laughs> And spending all the time on the ingredients for the meal and looking at this stunning meal and forgetting it to serve for the people who came for the meal. All these gifts aren't for the sake of magnifying the gifts, they're for the sake of receiving the gifts so that the whole body of Christ starts to grow and become this magnificent people. I mean, if you, if you read the rest, it just you know sometimes Paul writes, you think, Paul, stop it. You're just going too big and too high. Would you slow down, Paul? You know, Till we all attain to the fullness of Jesus Christ. And the, you think, what does it look like when the whole church is pumping with the fullness of Jesus Christ? Don't you get a little bit like, oh, wow. But that's what it says happens to the church when the gifts are released as the whole body starts to be mobilized in the most incredible way and the Father leaps about in heaven saying, ah, that's what I wanted. But it has to start with family, doesn't it? It has to start with my attitude being so beautifully yielded that as the gifts move and we go, wow, we're actually able to recognize some people are apostles and prophets and evangelists. And so the evangelist heart person doesn't get fed up to the teeth with always being told to be family. <laughs> we could go on all evening. Do you understand that? But we learn to honor and, and oh, look at that. Can we pray for you? Can we release you further? But don't forget to stay family because once we lose the culture, the gifts will be spoiled. Which is why I've said that. Grow the culture. Receive the gifts. But don't remember the goal. Where do you think God's people will be in this city in five years from now? Like this? I don't mean this is not great. Do you understand? But do you think? What do you think? Do you think there could be a great awakening going on as the world gets into gross darkness? Do you think the Holy Spirit could be buzzing around the body of Christ, stirring and pulling and unsettling and saying, come on, come on, this is your finest hour. Understand how he wants to do it, receive it, and this family will be part of an apostolic era. Good. Amen.